Hello and welcome to Four on Goal, and thank you for joining us for another Sunday show. I'm delighted today to be joined by Adam from the Women's Rugby Show. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And we're going to be talking all things rugby here on the first part of the show. I am, of course, joined by my three very good friends, Adam, Gary and Nabil. Not to confuse things, we do have two Adams today. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. Living the dream as always. Yeah, really well. I'm never convinced by you, Nabil. I'm never convinced by you. It was a good weekend, mate. It was a good weekend. Only because Liverpool won, eh? We'll talk about that later. We will. (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Please do check out our channel partner and good friend, Mandrews95 on Facebook Streaming. He claims to be the best Call of Duty player in his house. So big claims. Do head over to his page, Mandrews95, for some top quality streaming content. So without further ado... Adam, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about your show and the kind of work that you do over on the Women's Rugby Show. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I I don't want to sort of go back too far, but we started in 2018 and it basically originated from the fact that I, so my day job, I work in, in the sports industry. So I've got a bit of a handle on what's happening within the sports industry. Now, the other side of, of my my life is we, I guess, a lot of people now have side hustles or side jobs. I'm also a, a presenter, a journalist, a broadcaster, a, a sports commentator. So I got a, a bit tired of look waiting for those opportunities to happen. So I thought to myself, well, you know, I can I can wait for these opportunities or I can create these opportunities. Now, my my day job allowed me to, as I said, learn about what's happening in the sports industry. And I, I saw that there was a real increase of exposure, of attention, of engagement around women's football. So I thought to myself, well, you know, that'd be that'd be really interesting. You know, I, I'd be interesting to start my own my own channel. What do what sport do I know? Well, I played a lot of rugby growing up. I, I love the sport. Mm. I thought, okay, well, what about rugby? And then I thought to myself, well, you know what, men's rugby, you know, men's sport as whole has has so much coverage out there. What about women's rugby? You know, they they need exposure as well. They need that engagement. It'd be great to have access to, to players and clubs and all that kind of stuff. So, and also seeing the, the way that the women's football industry was just absolutely taking off. And, you know, we see, like I said, this was back in 2018. So we've seen where we are now. So that's, that's how we got started. Um, in the, you know, in the subsequent years, We've grown, um, and you know, within five months, I was interviewing England women's captain Sarah Hunter in, in the bowels of Twickenham after she just won the Grand Slam with England women in the Women's Six Nations. They'd just beaten Scotland 80 to nothing. Um, later that summer, we were the only social media channel that had access to the first ever women's barbarians training camp. Uh, you know, so I was there amongst the likes of BT Sport and Sky Sports and, and whatever. Um, and again, we've, we've grown and we've grown. I originally started with myself and, and one other presenter, and it was me behind the camera and editing. I'm proud to say that we've now got a team of around 10 to 12. And that includes other presenters, camera operators, editors. And we've just launched at the start of this season, a Midlands West team. So the team in London, where I am based, there are three or four clubs. So the London team will cover, obviously, the the London teams at home and any teams that come and visit. And then we've got the the team over in Gloucester, Bristol, Worcester, 
covering covering that. And I'm proud to say that we are. I've looked around at this, and we are the largest women's only rugby content channel anywhere in the world. And we've grown to we've grown to that over the last two years. So, yeah, that's that's a, a whistle stop tour. Hopefully, that that didn't bore you too much. No, that's brilliant. It's really impressive how you saw a kind of a gap in the sports industry and you saw a sport which it wasn't getting too much focus and you, you're bringing coverage to that and you've built such an impressive following. So props to you and the whole team over at uh, the Women's Rugby Show. So perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what's going on in the world of women's rugby. We've been keeping an eye on other sports. We've seen other sports come back over the last few months and find ways to resume. Um, how are things in terms of this sport in particular? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, and I think if you asked anyone within the women's rugby community, I believe they feel a bit left behind. Um, so the season finished, uh, well, the season was declared null and void back in March, April time, obviously, when when COVID struck. And um, over the, the, the spring and the summer and, and the autumn, women's rugby has had to watch as other sports have come back so obviously you've got your premier leagues and of course women's football and then women's cricket and then men's rugby you know men's rugby the the 2019 2020 season hadn't even finished by the time the women's premier 15s started again so i think there was a lot of a lot of um frustration from the women's community and I think really it's it's been a case of before the pandemic it was on an upward trajectory. And if you look at if you speak to World Rugby, the, you'll see that the figures that they've released show that uh, around three hundred sixty thousand young women and girls and slightly older women, I guess as well, um, participate in rugby on a regular basis. And that's the fastest growing team sport anywhere in the world, any sport. So. Yeah, exactly. So from a participation level, it, it was going great. The The Premier 15s, which is the top league in the country, was flying. There was increased coverage. There was getting more interest from news articles. It was getting increased um, column inches. And then, yeah, like I said, COVID, COVID struck and it felt like the, the rug was kind of pulled from under us. Um, um, and I think it's going to, it's not like women's football where everything kind of stopped, but you can see how quickly it's picked up again. And the interest is there with women's rugby. For Mm. some reason, it's just never had that complete support across the media. And Mm. it's really had to be a case of all fans. And and I guess, you know, not just, not just ourselves on the women's rugby show, but there are other, other people that do what I do, whether it be podcasts or social media channels or whatever, that really, along with the clubs and along with the players and along with the fans, have had to try and boost rugby, women's rugby again, certainly, back to the level it was pre-COVID. Definitely. And, you know, you mentioned women's rugby starting to come back now. I believe the Six Nations actually came back this weekend. Absolutely. There were two games this weekend. There was one actually this afternoon. Um, And, yeah, we had Italy come back against uh, excuse me sorry Ireland come back against Italy uh, Italy one of the mm-hmm. sort of top teams in the world um, and they were Ireland were losing and Ireland came back to win that and today we had Scotland women against France women now just a bit of context 
France women are the fourth ranked team in the world. So they are absolute class. Scotland women have had their difficulties in recent years. As I mentioned, they, they lost to England 80 to nothing not that long ago. They actually drew today 13 all. And what it meant is that because of that result, England women have retained the women's Six Nations. Uh, so they are champions again, even though they don't even play until next weekend. That's impressive. Um, I understand with England's rugby, kind of the women's were the favourites going into the tournament. Um, I know the men's sports, for Six Nations at least, has been dominated by England, Ireland and Wales. Is that the same for women's rugby? Do we see a similar trend there? Mm, no, normally for the, the women's game, there's two two favourites and it will normally be England who are currently ranked second in the world and France. The problem that the women's Six Nations has had in recent years is that for some reason, and I don't know why, the scheduling has meant that the first game for England has always been France. Now, that's I think that's happened the last two years. Now, the problem with that is, is that as soon as you take that jeopardy out of the, the tournament, then it gets quite predictable. So the problem that they've had in recent years is that the first game will all, almost be the title decider because with all due respect to the other nations, and, you know, I've got a lot of friends that play for England, Ireland, Scotland, uh, sorry, you know, Scotland, Wales and whatever, the other nations and Italy as well. Um, they're not up to the same standard as England. So unfortunately, that you know, after that game, the first game and uh, whoever wins that will generally, between England and France, will generally go on to win the tournament. And thankfully, in the last few years, it's been England. You talk about participation earlier. And um, uh, in the last week or two, Women's Football FA, um, they've actually set out a plan to increase participation in the sport and to get more supporters watching the women's game. Is there any kind of plan for the women's rugby in that like sense? Yes, it's a good question. World, World Rugby recently did a campaign um, to, to sort of get w- more women playing. Now, they, that was one of their, their goals for, for recent years. And obviously, like I said, it, it's been successful. There is no current plan around watching the women's game. And one of the gripes, I think, that the women's rugby community has is that they've just had a new sponsor come on board. And there was hope that with the new sponsor, it would it would mean a new broadcast deal. Unfortunately, there seems to be no plans to broadcast the games. So it's actually up to the clubs to, if they want fans to watch, they have to stream their own games. Now, there's a campaign over in Ireland, which is, I think it covers all women's sports, which is can't be, can't, sorry, can't see, can't be. And they say, obviously, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And with women's rugby, it's so difficult to find footage of games. And this is one of the things that I'm I'm proud of with the women's rugby show is that our content, I didn't mention it before, but our content, I always like to think of as a mixture between traditional broadcasting and social media. So we will do long form episodes on YouTube where we'll show match highlights, we'll do analysis, we'll interview players, et cetera, et cetera. But then we'll do social media content. So we'll do polls, we'll do graphics. I've just been off the phone this evening with a couple of players that I've interviewed on, on Instagram Live. So really, there's there doesn't seem to be any plan to boost exposure of the women's game. Obviously, they, they concentrated on participation, 
which is great. But the, what they're saying now with the grassroots rugby is that no one is allowed to play competitive fixtures until January 2021 at the earliest. Wow. Um, so just a follow-on question. Do you think that, say, if women's rugby was put onto, say, the BBC, even on like the red button, uh, would that help boost the game's exposure to younger girls and, I guess, older girls as well, and maybe increase the participation? Absolutely. 100%. The more places that you can see the sport, the more, obviously, the more exposure it gets. So, I mean, it sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but, you know, you look at what happens at Wimbledon once a year. For two weeks, once a year in this country, every young person is out there with a tennis racket wanting to wanting to be Andy Murray or Djokovic or, you know, um, Joanna Conta or whatever. Um, that's because they're seeing it. That's because all the press are talking about. You, from... from um, August all the way through to May or whatever, obviously football, football, football. The kids see it the whole time. It's on social media, it's on TV, it's on the radio, it's on newspapers, on the internet. So of course, if if it's in front of people's eyes, that's what people are going to want to do. And I know for a fact that there are young young girls who, when they see women play rugby, however they consume their content, whether it be on social media, whether it be on Sky or whether you know, they, they see it on a free to view channel. The first, one of the first things they will do is they will turn around to their parents and say, I want to be like X, Y, Z. And we're seeing it more and more and more. And if there was more exposure to the game, uh, of the, you know, showing games, then absolutely you'd get an even more so increase in participation. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And obviously the England women's have been very dominant, uh, in the Six Nations, they've won 16 now of the Six Nations since uh, the first tournament in 96. Um, why are the England women's team so successful? It's a great question. It's a good question. I think, you know, it's interesting, sort of going back to just what you were saying about the England team being so successful. This is This is interesting. Out of the three major sports in this country, football, cricket, rugby, and you look at both teams, men's team, women's team, out of those six teams, only one team has failed to win a World Cup ever. You want to take a guess of which one that is? Uh, the women's football. Correct. Yeah. So women's football hasn't won a World Cup. So you would think that after women's rugby, the women's rugby team won the World Cup in 2014, that there would be an opportunity to keep that going and, and the, the exposure would be so big and we'd be encouraging girls to get into rugby. It never happened for whatever reason, not sure why. But going back to, to your, your question then, you know, and that kind of tied in is because as with anything, it's, it's a player pool, it's talent. It's coming from a young age, playing rugby all the way through and having access to, to coaches that are able to improve you and, with the inclusion of the Premier 15s, a lot of clubs now are tied into their community clubs. So there is a clear pathway. England have an unbelievable talent pool. You know, Simon Middleton, the England head coach, is going to have such a difficult time choosing his World Cup squad next year because the sheer level of 
talent, the, the talent pool is just next level. So, uh, you know, combine combine the fact that there are more probably more girls rugby clubs at grassroots level, grassroots level, and as you go up the pyramid, these clubs now have a better opportunity to tie in with the the Premier Fifteens clubs, which are the top clubs in the country. Okay, so in terms of being dominant, then would you say it's solely down to us English? being more like better set up than other countries because obviously you got the likes of Australia who in the men's rugby seem fairly dominant you know they always seem to be up there with New Zealand England um, but they don't seem to do so well in the women's game is that fair to say that is very fair to say um, I think that's I think that's a good question I think you know as much as there have been difficulties, with the with the women's game and the RFU, there there has absolutely been efforts to improve things and make sure that women's rugby does have a viable and a decent setup at grassroots level. There is still there's still a way to go because um, there was a, a report recently by um, Fiona Thomas in the Telegraph Women's Sport about how. There are still different rules at grassroots level for women's girls rugby and boys rugby, which is just ridiculous. But I think, yeah, look, if you're if you're comparing us with with other countries, it is, I guess, access. It's access to play, access to coaches, which I'm get. I can't really comment on Australia, but um, you know, in this country, it's actually very good. So, Adam, I wanted to sort of touch on the best players in the world so in in the women's game who are the who are the i guess the the best players in their positions really well listen that's that's all a matter of opinion but i think if we go on um we go on the current world player of the year uh i think we're we're privileged and honored to say that emily scarrett is currently the women's 15s player of the year uh so she is a outside center so she's one of the back players. She's the one who generally use their pace and their speed and their agility to get round other players. Um, and she really, she is a a Rolls Royce kind of player. You know, she she looks like she's doing doing things effort, effortlessly. She jumps, you know, higher than anyone else. She she's got a great boot on her. She'll take the conversions. She's so fast. Um, so she she's definitely up there. Um, I mean, elsewhere, oh, again, you know, it's a, it's all kind of a, a matter matter of opinion. Um, you know, you're always you're always going to get the likes of, you know, Sarah Hunter, who's who's the England captain. There are some fantastic young players coming through. Sarah Byrne, another England player, who's a a prop. She's a, she's a front row player, but she's got the speed and footwork of of one of the backs you know she's unbelievable i mean look i i could wax lyrical about about probably every single england player and tell you that their strengths maybe some of their weaknesses as well you know from from other around the world france have a a couple of fantastic players Jess, jesse tremoulier who is a previous i believe previous world player of the year uh, winner or certainly nominee She's a fullback, so she's the one that stands at the very, very back. And once, <laughs> once a player has broken through, it's basically one on one, 
and you kind of you're kind of hoping that that player isn't one of the big forward players because if you're if you're a small full fullback which I've I have played in the past it's not fun. Um, so she's a fantastic player, of course. You know, oh, um, sorry, another um, another great player for France's. Uh, uh, I can't the, the pronunciation escapes me, but um, Sasu or Sansu is she's a she's a, a young player that's just coming through. And she's a she's a scrum half. So she's the one that links the the powerful forwards with the fast backs. And then of course you're you're not going to mention best players in the world without talking about some of the New Zealanders. So uh, Stacey Flula, uh, Kendra Coxage, these kind of players are just uh, Chelsea Allen. You know the, these are the pinnacle of where a lot of women's rugby players want to be. So yeah, the, I I could wax lyrical about players. For, for for a long time, I don't think we've got enough time on this podcast, sadly. Yeah, no worries. No worries. I, n- I noticed you obviously mentioned New Zealand. I wanted to sort of move the timeline, uh, looking a little bit ahead to next year, because I understand the Women's Rugby World Cup is towards the end of next year. Um, how is how's the world? How's how the team shaping up for that one? I know, um, obviously, England. The usual sort of favourites for that will be. New Zealand, England. Um, how 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 the team shaping up for that World Cup? Um, honestly, not so well. Obviously, okay. COVID has put a real dampener on teams' preparations, and I think for for the likes of England, I don't think it's that much of a concern. For New Zealand, it's not that much of a concern. I mean, of course, you still want to get competitive rugby in in the build up to the World Cup. Um, especially for New Zealand because it's on home soil. It's the first first ever Women's World Cup in the Southern Hemisphere. So they want to put on a real show. The problem that they've got is that because Jacinda Ardern and the New Zealand government have been so strict and fair play to them, or mm. you know, restricting COVID, it's meant that they're having some real difficulties getting fixtures against anyone. So... New Zealand, who are the reigning champions, are having to play matches against almost like a, an invitational t- uh, team. So they, they've actually got a match coming up in a week or two time called the pos- the Probables Against the Possibles, which is essentially mm-hmm. because they've got so much talent, similar to, to us in this country, they've got so much talent that they're playing two teams of players that could basically be in that World Cup squad. It's almost like a trial. I don't know if you remember when you, wow. yeah, when you were kids and you had like, <laughs> it was like a trial tournament and, and whoever yeah, yeah. yeah whoever did the best would uh, would get selected for the national team. So that's basically what's happened, uh, what they're going to be playing. So they're going to be playing a, a possibles versus probables. Um, but it's good. It's all for charity, that one, which is great. And then they're playing another, another couple of games against regional sides. So that's New Zealand sorted. England, obviously, we're kind of lucky because we've got Ireland, Wales, Scotland on our doorstep. Uh, France, uh, we are obviously, they're one of the best teams in the world. So I think they've got, there's a couple of fixtures lined up against France. And of course, hopefully the the Women's Six Nations will go ahead next spring. So that's fine. That's the top two taken care of. Again, with USA and Canada, the other top sides, they'll obviously just play each other as they always do. The real problem comes with the the lower ranked teams because at the moment not all teams have qualified there are Mm. a few others there's one other spot up for grabs and there's a few teams the likes of Scotland 
and Spain, who are one of the best in the world, and Italy, I believe, who they have to play almost like a playoff. But the problem is, is that because of COVID, it was meant to happen um, around this time, but it's actually been postponed. Now, I think the, the what they've done is they've actually said that the, the European qualification match between Italy and Scotland, which is a women's rearranged Six Nations match, is going to then have to double up as World Cup qualifying. So, yeah, for the bigger nations, it, it shouldn't be too tricky. But for those slightly smaller nations, the next one's down. It is difficult. Don't even get me started on the, the next tier down, like your South Africa's, because there is ve- there is a very high risk that South Africa, some of the other island nations, will not be able to compete in this World Cup. Wow. Do we think there's a good chance that the, um, the Rugby World Cup is going to happen next year? The way the world is at the moment, do you reckon there's a good chance it's still going to go ahead? Wow. It's, it's predict the future, get, you get the uh, crystal ball out, do you reckon? Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to predict. I mean, most other sports at the moment seem to be able to sort of work a way around it. I'd imagine there's, they'll, they'll find a way to probably make the tournament go ahead, but it's going to be a, an interesting one. Sure. Well, if you look at what's happening next year, you've obviously got the Olympics as well. Uh, oh, yeah. This, of course, this is purely from a rugby perspective. So, of course, I mean, I, I could turn around and say, say to you, gents, oh, would you think Euro 2020 or, you know, Euro 2021 will go ahead? Um, with the the Olympics, it, obviously, there, there is rugby in that as well. Uh, rugby sevens. Um, and if the risk is that a lot of the teams, I think part of the problem is that a lot of the sevens teams around the world have disbanded. Certainly England have had their funding pulled. So a lot, all the sevens girls are no longer currently playing for England sevens. Mm. You know, there's an option for them to get into the, the World Cup squad. The problem with New Zealand as well is that you have to, there's a two week uh, isolation period when you start. And my understanding, don't quote me on this, but this is uh, from a player that, I, that I've spoken to recently, is that if you want to come back into the country, you have to pay around £2,000 uh, to £3,000. Oh, blimey, that's not, not, not a small figure either. No, exactly. Now imagine multiplying that by however many you know squads or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's... Of course, of course, it's feasible. I think by this time, by the Six Nations or the time the Six Nations comes around, maybe we'll have a clearer indication of how rugby has handled the pandemic. I mean, just just a, a very, very quick side note on this. To cope with the, the pandemic at the moment, the, the rules have been slightly adjusted for the women's game. Not the men's game, but for the women's game. So there's, there's shorter halves. They've kind of cut the amount of scrums that they do. Um, they've made rules that if there's a line out, you can't join the line out push. Um, if you've not already been in the line out, like all these, all these kind of rules. So they've done that in the English game. They've not done it anywhere else in the world. So, I mean, in one sense you could say, okay, well, if we've adapted to that, then potentially, then yes, it could still go ahead. But again, we could, we could see it go ahead with, with rules variations as well. So who knows? So they are finding ways to adapt to it then, which is good. And we can all hope that sport continues to go ahead because it's at the moment, it's it's one of the only things that's sort of keeping us going in any sport, really. There's, there's something to watch on TV and it sort of keeps the morale up. So we do hope that they find a way around everything that's going on to keep the sport going. Um, so to conclude, really, because I, I I'm speaking for myself, I'm, I'm not a massive rugby fan at all. What, what's the best way of getting into the sport? Um, 
is it going to sort of training sessions down your local club obviously when that's possible um what's your suggestions really of getting into the sport and finding ways into it sure i think there are probably two ways of getting involved as a player i think you can the first thing i would say is always always go down to your local club because the thing about rugby is that it's really really inclusive whether you've you've played before 10 years ago and you haven't played 10 years since and then you decide to to join again or you've never played and you always wanted to get involved. Rugby clubs are so accepting and it's just a big community. And obviously, as you may or may not know, there's there's a massive social element to it as well. So, you know, even if, you know, two, two, two players go ahead on the, on the pitch and there's a bit of disagreement, you're always going to go back to the clubhouse and have a pint together, which is great. So absolutely, first thing you do, I believe the RFU website, England Rugby website, will have options to find the nearest club near you and go along speak to the coach and and they will help you from the ground up so don't feel like you have to go in and smash someone straight away (laughs) there's there's always there's always um you know safety first always so yeah definitely yeah you know you'll be helped with technique um and i've never never been at a rugby club that i haven't enjoyed even just speaking with people that that are there the other option you could potentially get involved with tag rugby, which is a little bit like uh, sevens rugby uh, or, or fifteens rugby, but it's, it's non-contact. So you wear you kind of wear velcro shorts, uh, or well, they're regular shorts, but they got velcro on the outside, and there's there's tags either side. And to be tackled, you basically have those uh, the tags your tags pulled off, and that's a tackle. So it's a little bit faster, it's a little bit shorter. And I think that's also a potentially they've got leagues all over the country and they are regular. I mean, we're talking about not just leagues that go on throughout the year, uh, you know, from, let's say, autumn to spring. There'll be a spring league for six weeks. There'll be a summer league for eight weeks. There'll be a winter league for seven weeks, whatever. So they're constantly going. So if you want to get into rugby that way, maybe test it out with tag rugby. But even if you just want to go straight in, then do not be shy in going to your local rugby club. It's great to know there's something for everyone. It's fair to say none of us have, you know, played rugby, maybe back at PE in school. But um, since then, none of us have played competitively or anything. So it's great to know that anyone that does want to get involved, if they don't want to get overly physical straight away, they can get involved with something like tag rugby, um, which is, yeah, which is great. Like I say, that does just about do us for time today. But Adam, honestly, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've taught us a lot and you've you've really given us some great content so thank you so much for coming on the show whereabouts can people find you and your show online thank you very much well thanks for having me first off it's been really really great getting involved um if you go to uh, social media at women's rugby show we are on facebook twitter instagram and also youtube as well just look for the women's rugby show and there's all kinds of content on there like i said full scale episodes there's player challenges there's Loads of fun stuff. So, yeah, that's how you can find us. Brilliant. Thanks again, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Cheers, Adam. Press good on, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much, Adam. Take care. Okay, guys, that just about does it for the first part of the show. We are now going to move into Sports Roundup. Sports Roundup. First, let's look at the Premier League. We'll get deeper into this on our dedicated show, Prem Focus. But let's look at some of the results here. Man City won, West Ham won. Good result for both teams? 
good result for West Ham. I think City fans are a bit, a bit, a bit pissed off at that one, but I mean, it, it, great result for the Amers. Great result, really. You could because people say we're sitting back, but that, that's our style. You know, we can we can we sit back. Um, soak up the mm. pressure and then hit them on the counter. I mean, that's not anti-football by any means. We're not like the Stoke of old when we just pelt it. We play with some style when we attack as well. So it was a, it was a good, good draw for us. I mean, people could argue City should have won it, but they didn't really. They had that, that Foden chance. I mean, what a great goal from him. But a draw is a fair result there. You know, neither team did enough to really counteract the other. And it was a good point for us and fairly respectable point for City, I suppose. What a goal from the Ant Man! Oh, I mean, geez, yeah, he's he's on fire at the moment. He's got to be. If, if people talk about England called ups, he's got to be around there. I'm not saying he should be called up. He's got to be considered at least if he continues his form for the season. Since lockdown, he's had something like 11 goals in so many games. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool back to winning ways. Gary and the Bill both sound chirpier today. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mu- much better than last. Well, at least for the last few weekends. Are you I looking felt. to the four the four on goal derby next weekend? Oh, of course. I can't wait for that. That's going to be an interesting game. West Ham are a hard team to beat. Mm. Even if we lose, I can absorb the pressure, so it's fine. I I really have no no worries here. Yeah, I mean, going back to last night's game, I mean, it wasn't the finest performance from Liverpool, but, I mean, it was an absolute bullshit penalty again. I don't know how VAR keeps inventing these penalties out of nothing. But other than that, it was a... It was an okay performance. I wasn't expecting us to be at our best purely because we played in midweek and we always seem to struggle after midweek. But the most important thing was to just get those three points on the board. Yeah, we weren't talking uh, about VAR too much. Even I agree that was a, just a, another questionable questionable mm. VAR call. But we'll, we won't talk about it too much. We'll, we'll carry on. But, uh... United-Chelsea is, is one that I didn't watch, but it looks like I didn't oh, miss it's out It's another on one where VAR screwed up. Yes. was clearly like strangled in the box. Still a pretty boring game though overall. Like for teams that quality, you expect more than what you got delivered on the plate. Like the biggest call of that night shouldn't be a VAR call. There should be more to it than that. I mean Thiago Silva, a solid game though against Cavani. Clearly picked up experience in the training sessions at PSG, knowing how to defend against them as well. Yeah, the back five definitely helped Chelsea yesterday. Because Silva doesn't have the pace anymore for a back four. I think that's quite clear to see. So the back five mm. definitely allowed him just to kind of sit there and just do the defensive work we know he That's can do. Yeah. But yeah, lack of chances from both teams. Not we expect from Neither team campaign. are going to be up there at the end of the season. If, definitely not. Uh, not the way they're going. Chelsea seem to be able to defend really well and not be able to attack or attack really well and not be able to defend. Like They're yet to find the balance that they Frank, need to start winning games. Frank does not have long... It was great to see the Everton losing today, I must say. Um, is their run coming to an end, or was this just a blip? It's a one-off, though. They are still doing pretty well in the league, to be fair, but they've now had three red cards to argue one of their three of their best players. I mean, Southampton, is, I did say on the, the Prem Focus show that Southampton are no pushovers, and they turn up and play well. Everton are going to struggle, and they did. Kept them quiet. Too yeah, good, Calvert-Lewin too. didn't score today, either. <laughs> we finally got a prediction right and Calvert-Lewin wouldn't score yeah. we say every week and eventually you're going to be right but Everton need to work out discipline issues really I to start to say really I don't know why they're getting so many red cards I mean Dinge. I thought the red card was a bit harsh today though he did have three attempts at trying to take the player out I don't know what he was up to, needs to yeah be... but like it, it didn't look like he actually meant the trip at the end and then he kind of just rode him for a bit <laughs> just, <it was laughs> before he like fell down like, I would have gave a yellow card at most for that 
But last week, obviously, they should have had two. But no, strange incident overall. But yeah, but yeah, Everton's run could be a blip, but they're still going to have a good season overall, I reckon. They'll be top seven. The El Clasico was yesterday afternoon. Did any of you get the chance to watch that? I did have a bet on Real Madrid winning. That it was only part of the bet, unfortunately, so I didn't win. But does that mean dinner's on you? Does it? Oh no, I didn't. I I lost money. (laughs) I was counting on another team to win, but that's beside Uh, that's besides the point. Real Madrid second in La Liga right now. It's not not looking great for Barcelona. I understand they're about mid table. Yeah, I mean, I watched I watched the game yesterday and. Yeah, Barcelona weren't very good as they really haven't been this season. I do. Um, do you wonder just touch- if, um, mm-hmm. like, the Messi scenario has kind of affected Barcelona overall? Mm-hmm. No, they've been a moment, but he's just, it seems a bit odd since the start of the season. They just really haven't looked. Or is this what's been coming for a while for Barcelona overall? Do you reckon? Like, like we've said for a while now, they're an aging squad. Do you reckon this is just a build-up of lack of progression? I don't, I don't, I don't think they really replace that kind of, you know, that amazing team that they had for so many years. And I think Messi's declining a little bit. It's he's still scoring, but he is, you know, he is getting on, and he's not able to carry the team as much anymore. And we're seeing players like Fatty score, but there's no one else that's really stepping up for Barcelona right now. I don't think the issue as well they got is even though players are really old, as in PK, Busquets, Messi. Or they're really young, like Fatty. Yeah. They started a 17-year-old Pedri yesterday, uh, who scored in midweek, and uh, Dest, who they just brought from Ajax. Mm-hmm. Now, Dest only actually played three games for Ajax last season. Uh, no, sorry, th- like this season. But he wasn't, he's not like really highly rated, so it's a bit of a weird move. Um, he's the American guy, right? Yeah. Like, I think he's rated by Americans, but... Mm-hmm. He's not exactly. He wasn't the next big thing at Ajax. You know, they had quite a few youngsters that were rated higher than him. Mm-hmm. So they haven't quite got the right balance in that team. There's no yeah. just normal aged players. It's either players at the end of their career or players at the start of their career. Just compared to the Real Madrid team, just different quality. I think I was looking at the team lineup now, and just Real Madrid's team is so much better, so much more quality across the field, much more balanced, and you know, it's, it's, it's clear to see why they won three one yesterday. Yeah, definitely. And if we look at the Bundesliga, Lewandowski scored another hat trick. The guy just can't stop scoring. Tank. That's ten and five right now. Yep, in the league, ten and five. He's yeah, he's a phenomenon. Um, like I mentioned the other week, he he's one of the best number nines of this current era. Um, Ballon d'Or. Just touching on. Yeah, well, he, he, I would have, I would have thought he would have got it this season um, if the award was going to go ahead, which it isn't, unfortunately, because I think he, for the year that he's had, he truly does deserve it. But just touching on some of the other Bundesliga results, we had the Riviera derby yesterday, which is contested between Borussia Dortmund and Schalke, and Dortmund won that three 0 our, our friend Harlan scoring another another goal. He, he's a uh, yeah, his his trajectory just continues. I think he's going to be up there with the best players in the world in the next couple of years. Five and five this season so far, so definitely. One English player mm. to look at in the Bundesliga now is Jamal Musiala. Yeah. Uh, he's eligible for Germany as well, but he's mainly been playing for England youth teams and he scored his second goal of the season for Bayern Munich yesterday. And he's only really playing 10 to 20 minutes a game, like coming on at the end. So he's looking with, with, quite a prospect. Yeah. One to keep an eye on. We're talking a lot about Bayern. I mean, Leipzig are currently sat top of the, the Bundesliga. I didn't realise, but 
13 points, one point above Bayern. Uh, they haven't played anyone extremely hard yet. Okay. Like the harder games, well. probably Leverkusen, but they've beaten all the teams they should have beaten, and I guess that's how you win a league. But mm-hmm. I think It'd if you look nice. at the Bayern Munich team, they're too strong, and they will just walk over most teams this season. It'd be nice to see them push Bayern a little bit more. They may not win the league, but nice to see someone now actually you know be at the top of the league with them at least for a while. Yeah, yeah I think they're, they're quite a hated pretty. club though in Germany because they've kind of brought well, their that, success. Well, uh, Bristol. Yeah. It's got a good model, though. That's, that's the ideal model that most clubs want to follow these days. The Red Bull model is quoted everywhere. That is not very liked in Germany, though. Yeah, it's, it's really unpopular. A lot of the um, the ultras in Germany don't like um, Leipzig or the Red Bull model, as Gary mentioned. Um, it's Yeah, from a football perspective, it's a really efficient operation, but from the way they scout their players and the quality they've come through, just because it's built, their, their scouting structure is built from the ground up. I mean, David Moyes, I know we're not the Moyes sire, is quoted as the one to build out of West Ham. I don't think he will, obviously, for obvious reasons, but there's a reason for their success. Is it, are they just being hated on for how well they're doing? No, they're I think it's quite the whole... a few players, though, for quite high fees when they're like second division and third division. Hmm. So it's yeah. not like they've just suddenly started doing well whilst they're in the top division. They were buying success lower down. And obviously, they've got the links with Salzburg and other clubs around the world. So they can just buy from there now. But, you know, I can understand why the haters. But obviously, yeah. if your club's involved in them kind of links and spending that kind of money lower down, you, you're going to love it. Oh, definitely. And if we look at Holland, I mean, we have to mention Ajax winning 13 nil. Just I mean, a small thought... scoreline. Yeah, I thought it was a typo when I saw it. Ridiculous scoreline. Do you reckon um, when it got to ten nil, VVV just said it's, it's still one nil, lads. It's still nil. Sorry, and just carry on, try and turn it around. I mean, what, what's, what's what the you... score at half time? Do we know? Four nil. Four nil at half time. And then okay. Venlo went down to ten men five minutes after half time, and the goals just started like just coming in. Uh, there was about five goals in eleven minutes at one point. It's still nil nil, lads. You can turn it around. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know what the manager said at half time that team talk definitely did not work. The thing as well, Lassino Traore, who scored five goals yesterday, hadn't actually scored in his first five appearances this season for the club. He's made up for so that. All it? five of his goals have come in one game. More than made up for it. Okay, now we're going to head over to the cricket. Um, the IPL in particular. The only thing I've seen of the IPL this weekend was that crazy Jofra Archer catch I saw you tweeted about actually, Nabil. That was. Uh... Mm. impressive to watch yeah it's been a it's been a good weekend for the England boys uh particularly but just sort of touching on some of the results so yesterday we had a double header um so KKR won by 59 runs beating Delhi Capitals who currently stand top of the table um and then in the second game somehow Kings 11 Punjab beat Sunrisers Hyderabad by 12 runs um Sunrisers for a bit of context were cruising in that game but Kings Eleven are on a good run of form at the moment. After sort of one win in their, la- uh, their previous seven games, they've sort of strung together uh, wins in their last three, and they might just have a chance of making the playoffs now. They actually play uh, KKR, who are currently in the final playoff spot in their next game, so that'll be an interesting one to look out for. And then moving ahead into today's sort of doubleheader of games. So in the early game, we had CSK beat 
uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore. It's been a nice sort of theme this weekend. We've had all the sort of top sides getting beat by the lower the sides at the bottom end of the table. So CSK, who are currently right at the bottom, they beat um, RCB by eight wickets. Sam Curran um, getting three for 19. And sort of a stat, of, uh, pulling up some stats around Sam Curran's performances in the IPL this season. He's, one, he's the only player, I believe, to have 10-plus wickets and over 150 runs in the IPL, so that shows his all-round prowess. And in the game that sort of just uh, finished a few hours ago, Radisson Royals beating Mumbai Indians by eight wickets. They chased down 195, which is the highest successful run chase against the Mumbai Indians, and a brilliant 100 from Ben Stokes, who's, who's sort of been questioned recently in terms of his form. Um, a lot of people... Uh, believe they shouldn't really be opening for the Redstone Royals, but he, he silences critics there with a magnificent 100. And like you mentioned, Jofra Archer, once again, having continuing his brilliant form in the IPL, uh, taking two for 32, but also that phenomenal one-handed catch. Um, so yeah, in terms of the current context of where everyone's placed, it, it, it seems likely that it's going to be a player, the playoffs are going to be contested uh, with RCB, Delhi Capitals, Mumbai Indians. And I guess the only question mark is whether KKR make it or maybe Kings Eleven. I mean, Rajasthan Rules are still in with an outside chance, but uh, they need a lot of results to go their way. But yeah, it's been a fantastic season. So I'm looking forward to the next few games on that one. So I see three teams there on 14 points, um, first, second and third. Who's your favourites and have they changed um, over the last few weeks? So... Yeah, I'd say they have. I mean, I was tipping Delhi Capitals, but they've been on a pretty bad run of form lately. Um, Lost their last two, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm 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 sort of swaying towards Mumbai Indians purely because they're the reigning champions and they've sort of been there and done it. Mm-hmm. And I, on paper, they, they look like the most balanced side. I know they lost tonight, but I think when it gets round to the playoffs... Um, they'll be right up there. And I th- uh, they're, they're definitely my pick of winning the, the IPL for this year. Okay. And of course, we have to touch on rugby, having a rugby guest on the show today. So the Gallagher Premiership, Exeter beat Wasps 19-13 to to win the Gallagher Premiership final. And that with that win, they completed the double of the, the, of the domestic and the European titles. And I believe the Six Nations games... Uh, as well as the women's resuming, the men's was this weekend too. The only score I saw was Ireland thrashing Italy. I think it was 50 to 17. Has anyone been watching the Six Nations men's? I had before it stopped. Okay. I, I didn't catch any of this week's games. But uh, next weekend should be quite thrilling because uh, obviously mm. final round of fixtures. England could still win. So could France. So could Ireland. <laughs> so it's still very yeah. wide open. Yeah, I mean, Ireland are obviously travelling to Paris next Sunday. Um, what they actually need is a bonus point win against France to ensure they become the Six Nations champions. For England to win, they need to obviously beat Italy and hope Ireland lose to France and also have the same margin of victory as France. So, yeah, a lot of permutations there, but it's going to be a fantastic uh, weekend mm-hmm. to look forward to on that one. If England do win, though, their margin of victory should be a lot bigger than France's anyway because they are playing Italy. And Italy's yeah, kind of the team you expect to win by 30, 40 points at minimum. Mm, but then there's that whole restart element, isn't it? I mean, a lot of these guys haven't played a lot of rugby since, obviously, pre-COVID. So it's going to... I don't know. Rugby. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still expect it'll be a comfortable victory for England, yeah. but yeah, like you mentioned, the the margin of scoreline is the most important thing. Okay, and we'll briefly touch on the NFL. So we've had some games tonight. It was a battle of the unbeaten teams, Titans against Steelers. And the Steelers came up on top against the Titans, so they've lost their unbeaten streak. The Chiefs currently beating the Broncos. Um, Tom Brady's Bucks currently losing to the Raiders after their impressive win last week in uh, game, game day six. And the Browns completing a very impressive comeback against the Bengals to win 37-34. And as for the Dallas Cowboys, things just seem to be getting worse and worse. Losing 25-3, to not even getting a single touchdown against the Washington football team. And staying over in America, currently we have the Major League Baseball World Series going on. Tampa Bay's currently two apiece with, El- with the Los Angeles Dodgers in a best of seven series. Now, I didn't watch this game live, but I did see the highlights. And... The okay. ending to the, it was a good game, but it was the ending to the game which was really the spectacle. It was, LA fumbled the ball twice in one play to allow, to allow the Tampa Bay's to get a run, and win the game and tie the series. It, I recommend to go check out the highlights, even if you're not a baseball fan. Um, so the it's Dodgers really heating are the up. Favorites, aren't they, for the series? Yeah, yeah. Tampa Bay are definitely the underdogs. I've kind of got a lot of. A lot of my in-laws follow the Dodgers, and they're really hyped at the moment. They, but I mean that was before, that was before uh, Game Four, where the Tampa Bay's have really staked a claim in this series. And as a you know, as a neutral, it's really starting to heat up. So we'll see what happens. Will will there be a second uh, championship in Los Angeles this year after they won the NBA series? We'll wait and see. And of course, we have to mention, yeah, the USC two five four. So Khabib Nurmagomedov beating Gustin Gaethje in Abu Dhabi. What what a fighter this guy is. What a fight, what a competitor, and what a way to retire. I mean, just to end your professional career with a perfect record is one thing. If you're going to go out, you're going to go out like that, aren't you? That's the best way to go. Exactly. It was obviously an emotional fight for him, losing his father to COVID early this year. Um a lot of people think that he might, there's still a small percent, uh, percentage of uh, chance that he might not have retired and he might come out of retirement, I should say. But I think the sort of person that Khabib is and what, he, what his father, the values his father stood for, I think it's really unlikely that he'll mm. come back to the sport. But yeah, incredible fight. Um, is he the best pound for pound fighter that's ever been in the UFC is the question now, really. Yeah, I think. For me, it's kind of a three-horse race between him, John Jones, and GSP. Mm. But I mean, what he did to Gaethje yesterday. I mean, Gaethje's a scary guy. Like, yeah, yeah. If you just look at, I mean, look what he did to someone like Tony Ferguson, who's who's also a bad man. He completely mm-hmm. destroyed him. But all these guys, they're coming against Khabib, and they're going to say, "I'm going to keep him on his feet," because that's all you can really do against Khabib. But every everyone fails. No one can can stay on the feet. They always end up on the ground. They always end up submitting. So, I mean, it's a scary record. Even when you compare his record to some of the other guys I mentioned, even his record surpasses them. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me right now, he's the baddest man on the planet, definitely. And um, yeah, I think that's fair to say. He's such a he's got such a humble personality as yeah. well, which is a, quite a rarity in that sport. Yeah. I think like I know it's a yeah, bad comparison, mate, but if Conor McGregor exactly <laughs> like really volatile, and then it was yeah. Khabib obviously gave him a, a proper humbling when yeah. they, they fought. 
but no incredible such a great role model honestly exactly yeah that's the kind of role model you want for your sport to promote as well isn't it it's nice to see Mm. someone like that win yeah it's strange he's such a a scary fighter but he's so humble at the same time it's just you know they make up both of them things come together to make up an absolute true professional and one of the the best of all time i mean time will tell if he is the greatest of all time but you can look that back one. at boxing as well and look at the, some of the, the, the historical boxers. They were classy off out of the ring as well as they were yeah. in the ring. So, yeah, exactly. It's, it's nice when a classy personality wins. I think, I think that's why people get behind these these fighters when they're actually, um, they show decency out of the ring. Yeah. Um, you can get behind it a lot more and you're not all cocky and, um, you know, yeah. it's hard to get behind people like that. I mean, a lot of these fighters, it's, it's part of their game plan to, to get into people's heads and try and win some, some kind of mental battle. Someone like McGregor relies on that a lot of yeah. the time. Uh, he did that a lot. I think it was against Diaz. He completely got in his head and he knocked him out within a couple of seconds and you could tell Diaz just yeah. wasn't up to it. But someone like Khabib, he doesn't need that just because he knows, he believes in his ability and he can just come across an absolute gentleman at the I same mean, that's time. That's what makes him the best, doesn't it? He, yeah. Mental games don't work on them. Yeah, exactly. He's just strong menti- mentally and physically. Um, okay, now we'll, we'll look at the golf. Gary, could you run us through the golf this weekend? Yeah, so the big event this weekend was the Zozo Championships, uh, another event that was moved from its original location. It was also the first event Tiger Woods participated in, and it's also the last one before the Masters in three weeks' time. Uh, Tiger actually was very disappointed in this week, as he currently sits in the bottom five or six of the tournament. Uh, he's still putting a one under par, so respectable over the four days, but... There's very few people below him, so he won't be happy with that. Uh, McElroy, another big name. He's in the top 20 at the moment, but it's quite far off the lead. Um, the, the current leaders are Justin Thomas, uh, the world number three, world number two, John Ram, and world number 14, Patrick Cantley, uh, all within three shots of each other. Um, so this the last big event before the Masters. And it's a real indication of who's in form and who isn't. And Tiger clearly isn't. So don't be putting your money on him to win the Masters in three weeks. He's <laughs> come back up yeah, from uh, his back injury, do you reckon? Well, this is the first tournament he's done in a while due to the injury. And it just seems like last year he won this tournament and then he went on to win the Masters. And then he didn't really do anything due to injuries and whatever else he was doing. Obviously, COVID took out a lot of the year as well. Mm. And I think a bit like Andy Murray, we were talking about his injuries just causing it, um, him not to be able to compete anymore. I think Tiger Woods is at that stage now where he can't seem to stay injury-free for like three, four tournaments in a row. Age, yeah. So obviously that's um, not helping his ranking either. Uh, world number 28, which isn't too bad, but considering after the Masters, if he doesn't win it, he's going to drop even more. So, you know, I think this is the beginning of the end. You know, I, I was very pleased when he won the Masters last year. You know, he's the guy that you kind of want to watch when you're watching golf, a bit like you watch Snooker to watch Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, but when he's gone, it's going to be a big loss for golf. And I don't think it's going to be long till he is gone. Mm. Okay. And we spoke about one athlete potentially being the greatest of all time in Khabib. And Adam, Formula One was today. I believe Hamilton broke the record. He's finally done it. Uh, if, uh, we'll, we'll come on to the, is he the greatest of all time in a minute? But it, it's a, 
fairly standard race overall. Um, the, the start of the race is probably the most exciting part. Um, Hamilton struggling to get away on cold tyres. Um, Bottas, who he um, tries for the most part of practice and free practice, um, was doing better than Hamilton. Eventually, became, came second after on, on the final lap of um, Q3. Um, Hamilton taking pole, and then the start of the race was fairly um, the most exciting part. Kimi Raikkonen made up 10 laps at the start. I mean, that was incredible. If you watch a video of that, it's just the way he cuts through the grid. I mean, 41 years old, still in the Formula 1 car. He's still got it. I mean, he's not in the best car, but he's still one of the one of the best drivers on the grid. Um, with what was going on at the start of the race, Sainz managed to actually lead for the first few laps, but the McLaren had no, no chance of really holding against the power of the Mercedes for that long. Um, it didn't really take long for status quo to sort of come into play, and Hamilton then just simply led, lapped most of the grid by the end of the race, and um, ultimately came came first, um, got his ninety second win under his belt, um, to take him past Schumacher. Um, probably the other the my the vote for my racer of the day um, I did for the Formula One usual thing every week was actually Charles Leclerc. I mean, driving a dodgy Ferrari around the track. I mean, the Ferrari have struggled for most of the season. Uh, they've got so much drag on their car. Uh, he managed to get a fourth out of it, and he's 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 going to be a fry for a while. There's no doubt about that. And he's starting to show that why he's one of the best drivers um, moving forward. I think if that car had the pace and the ability to match the the Aston Martin, um, Red Bull, and um, the Mercedes, I think you could say he's he'd be up there with one of the best drivers on the grid. Um, he's starting to become one of my favourite drivers actually. So it'd be good to see him next season have a good car. Um, and have Carlos Sainz next to him actually managed to start leading the race for the first few laps um, next to him is his second driver so that would be a good partnership next season but as I say um, Hamilton came first got that win under his belt and he's now arguably the greatest of all time and I, I personally think he is um, I know Gary you've got your thoughts on him but he, he's done it now um, he's up there he's got the fastest car on the grid and he's just show, he showed today why he's just so good again um, doesn't mess up doesn't make any mistakes knows what to do when his tyres are struggling. He just simply, by having the fastest car, he is the best. That's my thought so far. I don't know if you've got anything, your opinion, Gary, is he the greatest of all time? I think he is. Well, I didn't get to see today's race, so I don't know how he did today. Obviously, he won, but I didn't see how he was in the car. Um, but yeah, I've said this before. I don't think he is the greatest. There's no he's, doubt how good he is. Like, I don't doubt that. But I, I think if he was in an era of Frost, uh, Schumacher even, you know, I don't think he would have as many wins as he has. Formula One as a whole. I think we've got to remember as well, uh, when Schumacher was racing, you weren't having 20 plus races a year. Whereas Hamilton now has that in the best car. You're going to win quite a few more. So Formula there's no one doubt he's been... good and he's the best out of the current crop probably. Uh, and he's been around for quite some time, but I don't think, in terms of F1 history, he's the best. Formula One has come a long way since those days. Now, you could argue, on the flip side, would the drivers of old do the best as, do, do as they are now? It's a different sport. You don't get as many massive crashes. I mean, you look at the highlights from years ago, some, some of the crashes, people died in, in the car, but you don't get that as much anymore. And um, I know he's got the fastest car on the grid, but he just knows how to handle it. He just knows what to do, when to do it. You know, there's no doubt the get uh, the race is a lot more safer. I guess I get that, and I guess you can give credit to Hamilton because if you look at the car now compared to the old days, 
he's now got about a hundred different buttons that he has to press during a race. Tell me about. I mean, he's got to remember every what every single one does. I said that the other day when we were playing the Formula One game. I said there was four buttons in that car, and now look at the buttons in the car. Yeah, it's definitely a lot harder to control that car. There's no doubt about it. But in an era where if you slightly uh, like hit someone like the tiniest little bit, you're getting a massive crash. You know, and without that element, I just it would be good to see. You know all the top drivers of F1 history competing, but obviously it's not possible, but it's I coming, don't though. think the regulations would... are coming in. So it's, it's yeah. possible that it will start changing. Hamilton admits himself. We always admit anything really. He's keeping quite, quite quiet about it, but he hasn't got many more years left in him. Um, I think he wants to move on to new things. He'll definitely be there next season, but, and the rule changes are coming in soon. So we could see the, the grid start to tighten up and they, the cars are getting faster again. The cars are arguably in formula 1.5, the second part of the grid. They're getting faster, uh, so we can hope next season's a bit, a bit more competitive. Would you say nowadays it's more a battle of engineering than it is Definitely. kind of a driver's ability? It's, it's, it's much more equal than it used to be. It's much more. It, it takes as much to drive that car. I mean, some of the speeds they're going. I mean, geez, like mm-hmm. two hundred around some of these corners. It's, it's engineering and the ability of a driver to stay focused for sixty odd laps every race. The, the g-force on your body. I mean, Hamilton got cramped like towards the end of the race. He still drove the car. And he said he could barely move his leg, but I mean, it's just it just goes to show it's it's a massive yeah. combination now. It's it's like football used to you could compare it to football in the eighties compared to now. They're playing yeah. on uh, pitches, and um, it wasn't about your fitness; it was just about you. You know, it was a lot less to do with that now. It's just you know, the way the world's gone. Like, it's sports, physical mentality. It's all come together, and this is the peak of really of everything. Yeah, I have to say. I mean, I can't imagine how they handle. Vehicles going that fast. I was watching the banger racing earlier <laughs> over at Rushmore yeah. Arena, and they go like 30, 40 miles an hour, and they're skidding all over the place. But... Oh, imagine doing, imagine yeah. doing somebody speeds at 200 miles an hour, you'd, you'd crack your pants, yeah. I think. Oh, 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 <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, okay, moving on to tennis. I believe we've got a couple of competitions going on. Is that, is that right, Nabil and Gary? Yeah, so Alexander Zerev, who obviously won the event in Cologne last week, he won another event in Cologne this week. Um, nearly the same final. However, Schwartzman beat Alga Alessandra in the semi-finals. So we didn't get to see a rematch. But Zerev won the titles quite easily. Only dropped three games against Schwartzman today. And he's in very good form. But for him, there's no more Grand Slams left this year. So mm. a bit pointless. He's picked it up right at the wrong time. Um, yeah. You know, he did okay at the US Open, but... You know, he's picked it up right at the wrong time and it's quite unlucky because I think if we went into a Grand Slam right now, he'd definitely be semi-final plus uh, with ease. Is that he's normal? Got the, um, Sorry, Nabil, you go. Um, I was just going to touch on Zuero's form. I mean, obviously he got to the final of the US Open, but has he not got the the ATP Tour finals at the O2 this year to, to look, for, look forward to? to honest, I don't really know. I'm not sure if it's going ahead or not. Mm. Uh, if it goes ahead, he would definitely be there because he would be in the yeah, top yeah. eight. But I'm not sure if they've confirmed it's definitely going ahead or not. Um, could well be. If it goes ahead, then he's definitely a contender because uh, mm. no one else really looks in the form he is in at the moment. But it's a it's a fair of normally around the semi final area, or uh, when everyone's fit. You can expect him quarterfinals at worst. Like if he didn't reach a quarterfinal, you'd be thinking he's had a bad tournament. Uh, but, you know, the US Open, he got to the final. 
but obviously mm-hmm. you're missing Federer. Um, Nadal wasn't there as well because he didn't want to travel. So it was a very weak US Open field. Mm-hmm. So him getting to the final wasn't that much of a surprise. Right. Um, but yeah, like normally you'd expect him around the quarterfinals when everyone's competing. Okay. And he has a nice enough draw. Um, <laughs> but if we go on to the British tennis players, Edmund once again, another disappointment for Kyle Edmund. Uh, he just oh. doesn't seem to be able to find a win at the moment, uh, uh-huh. which is a real shame because out of the current crop of British players, he is my favourite. Um, he's such good forehand and like so powerful, but he just doesn't... I think he's quite injury prone as well. You know, he's mm. had quite a lot of back problems. Um and his favourite uh, surface is actually the clay. Mm-hmm. And it seems every year we're about to go into the French Open, he gets injured. It's every single year. Uh, I remember a few years ago, he got to the second round and then pulled out due to injury. And he was looking re- in really good form. Uh, he didn't play this year due to injury. And, you know, it's just one of those things. If he can stay injury-free for a year, he was in the top 30 uh, either last year or the year before. He would easily be a top 15 player. You think? If he just didn't have injuries, yeah. Um, but he, for some reason, he's struggling with form. And I don't know why it is. Um, whereas Dan Evans found some form this week. And he reached a semi-final in Belgium. He missed, He had four match points to reach the final. And he didn't take them. So he lost in three sets to Humbert from France. Who actually won the tournament today. So... In fact, Evans had taken one of the four match points. I think we would have seen him holding the trophy today, but it wasn't to be. So you said Edmund's got a lot of power, but he can't get a win at the moment. It sounds like a certain Gary Painter in the official order shot of tennis, tennis association, is it not? <laughs> yeah, just a, hit and, a swing and miss, I think, of Edmund at the moment. Just swing as hard as he can and just hope it uh-huh. goes in. Uh, but I think, yeah, if he can find a bit of form, you can expect him to pick up quite a few wins, but... Okay. You know, he to, uh, he didn't qualify for Austria. You know, it's not even that hard to get into the tournament. He's playing a guy that was like ranked 100th in the world. You know, he should be winning those kind of games. So I'm not sure yeah. if he's slightly injured or whatever. But how old is he? He's like mid 20s. Like he's not old. He's not young. Oh, I thought he was younger. Okay. No, he's been around for quite some years. But like I said, injuries mm. have just kind of hampered him. Yeah, um, yeah he's 25. Uh, 26 in a few weeks' time. So, but he hasn't now won in five games, like five Oof. matches, uh, since he lost to uh, that first. His last win was at the U.S. Open first round, and then he lost to Novak Djokovic in the second, and he just hasn't won since. Ah, uh, okay, okay, guys. And any other sporting events this weekend we want to talk about? No. This- I don't know what, what what's Team USA Weber Cup. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, so that uh, is. this is the bowling. Um, oh, how that work? I was, what, I was watching. It was on Sky Sports. Um, it was really interesting to watch. To be fair, because when you think of bowling, you don't really think of it as a sport. But these guys were unbelievable. Like honestly, if you're watching them, they were strike after strike after strike. Um, and it's a yearly event. It's a bit like. Um, the Ryder Cup professional bowling doesn't it? It's literally constant strikes. <laughs> like it pretty much is. And there was a That's few where like time. you don't see them hitting a one or hitting it down the gutter. You know, you don't see that. And you don't the see the, like, oh, the lane just like have to wait ten minutes for an attendant to come and sort it out. They don't have that either. 
Well, those um, bowling balls, they have um, they don't even have holes in them. They literally just grip the outside of the ball. Yeah, they kind really? of cradle the ball in their arm and then just roll it down. And they always seem to roll it down the side and then spill it into the middle. It, it's so satisfying to watch. Adam, um, I always thought you could have gone for a secret bowling fan, eh? <laughs> Honestly, it's really fun to watch. You should watch it when it when you can. Um, but yeah, Team USA won. They were actually seven nil up at one stage. Like they, they were just flying. Uh, Team Europe pulled it back a bit, but they lost twenty three eighteen overall. But it's a yearly event. Uh, it happened in Coventry this year. Um, not sure if it's the usual location. <laughs> not sure if Coventry's big on bowling, but it was held there and. It was fun watching their walk-ons as well, because... Uh... they like wrestling walk-ons. Well, you know, they tried... there's one guy you know, who had a massive afro, and he was like combing it whilst he's walking on. You know, they tried they tried putting on a show, but it was more a bit like librarians just walking in. Um, what a strange no crowd either. Is. I did not know we had a secret bowling fan. It might be what kind of WWE or at <laughs> Like we have to start covering that weekly now. The, the world of bowling, Gary's spin-off show. You're <laughs> actually a niche market for no bowl, there's no bowling podcast. Maybe we found a niche. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, it's so fun there? to watch. So fun. Okay, well, they do I'll... cheat though. They do cheat. I must admit, they they cheat because Hell, if they get got... a strike, they don't get ten points, and then whatever they get on their next shot, they just get thirty points given to them. How do you have a controversial opinion on every sport? <laughs> well, no, you know, when I'm bowling, I don't get 30 points for a strike. Yeah, because you're not very good at it. I get a strike more, quite a lot, <laughs> mate. But I don't get 30 <laughs> points for it. I think that's quite disgraceful. Okay, well, now we've covered all things bowling. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're now going to move on to the sporting highlight of the week. highlight of the week. Actually, we'll kick things off with Nabil. <laughs> oh, no. I wonder why, because I've just seen the notes. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, dear Right. Let's have a Gary for laugh. Nabil, go on. What have you got to say? <laughs> All right. So, brief pause when everyone's done. Oh, I want to know. Why am I... No, sorry. Why is Nabil going to What the hell is this? What the hell is 23-year-old fucking... <laughs> what, 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 no, 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 no. Why is Nabil going in front of me for? Because right. I want to listen to you. All right, go on, then. Go on. Fuck you lot. Go ahead, Nabil. I don't give a shit. All right, mate. Okay, Nabil, can you kick us off? So I've sticking with the UFC theme. I've obviously gone with Khabib as my sporting highlight, you know, being Justin Gaethje to retain his UFC title and retire with the perfect professional record of 21 wins and zero losses. Um, just an amazing way to retire on top and the perfect tribute for his late father. So yeah, he is my sporting highlight of the week. Okay, and I will quickly mention my sporting highlight of the week. And that was, as we mentioned earlier, the Tampa Bay Rays beating LA Dodgers just due to the dramatic fashion of the game. Um, the Bays ended up doing a walk-off because of the, Sorry, the Rays ended up doing a walk-off because of this. And I recommend anyone who doesn't follow baseball check out the highlights of that game because it was pretty crazy. Um, and Gary? Yeah, so mine's uh, in the world of bowling. Uh, 23-year-old Anthony Simonson had scored the perfect 300 in his singles match this week against Dominic Barrett. 
tough competition to be fair. And Don Barrett's at the top of his. Top oh, of his Don game. Barrett, one of the best in Europe, mate. Yeah. Uh, don't know why you're slagging him. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's a tough opponent. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're scoring 300, you beat everyone. You beat yeah. everyone. You know, no one can beat 300. You can't get 301. So if you get 300, you've won. Um, he became only the eighth player to score a perfect round at a Weather Cup. And he's really? the first to do it since 2013. Thought, so thought, it's not as easy as you think. You don't see this down the local temp in bowling alley. No, Come you're on. not going to see someone as skillful as Anthony Simonson, mate. To be fair, I thought it was player. more common for pros to get 300. I thought it was like so a standard thing. This is at the Weber Cup, though. It's at the Weber Cup. Well, what's that? One tournament. Have so, context that for us. so this is just a yearly tournament, Team USA versus Team Europe. A bit like the Ryder Cup. Why does um, that make it so less common? Sounds like there's a Weber Cup for like every sport. Well, there probably yeah, is, one, to be fair. Or, uh, there's, there's one for golf, isn't there? Yeah, the Ryder Cup. Web- no, 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 but a female version. But I don't know if it's called the Weber Cup or not. <laughs> probably, mate. <laughs> okay, um, Adam, Adam, your highlight of the week? <laughs> Has to be Hamilton becoming the, the GOAT of F1, really. I mean, the guy's is just class apart, really. Um, no one thought that anyone would ever beat Schumacher's record, and he's done it. Um, best car or not, the guy just knows what to do in a Formula One car. knows when to check, knows when knows when to um, get his tires changed. knows what to do in certain circumstances. knows how to know how to knows how to handle pretty much every weather condition. He's just you know he's just dominated, and uh, he arguably he's, he's the be- the best at the moment. I don't know who else is up there with him. Um, you could put some other drivers in the equal car, and you can see he's got more competition. But it's just the fact he hasn't messed up or done anything wrong. I mean. When you're when you're the best and no one can challenge you, and the fact he's the mentality, you have to be constantly there. If no one's challenging you, you've got to be on your game every week because mm-hmm. you're not under pressure. You just got to make sure you focus, keep your head down, and just keep winning. And that's what he's done. Um, how many how many years do you think he's got in the tank? I think he doesn't need to retire any time soon. Kimi Räikkönen is still racing, and he's 41. He doesn't have to retire, but I think it's more mm-hmm. that he won't he won't get bored. But he'll just know when to to stop. Really, he just knows when to say a bit like a beef's done. He'll just go, well, I, I, I've done it. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm the best. I can step away with my head held high, and that's it for me. Um, there'd be no shame in it. He's just he's done it really, and um, he'll, keep, he'll keep going for another few years. That's that's for sure, unless he surprises us all. But I don't see him retiring this season. He hasn't got a contract at the moment. There's no. I think Mercedes are trying to get the money for it. <laughs> um, but he, he'll be around for a few more years to come yet, and um, he can easily go out. Go, he'll go out the sport the best, and uh, it's going to be a long time until we see someone match his level. Yeah, awesome. Okay, and we're now going to finish the show off with our weekly quiz smalling. So over to you, Gary. Quiz smalling, it's the name of the game. Quiz smalling, it'll really test your brain. Quiz smalling. So, yep, this week we've got last week's winner, Adam, against hey. this week's challenger, Simon. So, slightly different format this week. We've only got the two questions each. Uh, not much happened this week, so... What's that guy's name I kept quoting? Maybe I'll just keep using that one again this week until eventually I get a sport question right. No bowling questions, though. No bowling questions, please. Oh, I thought we'd done a bowling <laughs> quiz this week. Have you not oh. been watching the bowling? Oh, I may have to change the questions. And what's the highlights? <laughs> no, so we're going to start with last week's winner, Adam. Thank so you. Question one. I'm, I'll tell you the sport, because Adam doesn't seem to know the sport unless you clearly quote it. Do we not, uh, my, do we not get to choose my questions this week? No, you're starting with question one, mate. Did you like read like like I don't worry. You, you should get to Gary's choose. got places to be. 
Wrap this up. Owen to watch. So, Adam, your first question is on cricket, okay? Awesome. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Just funny. It's going to be a funny response. Uh, go on. So, the question is, Adam, who is the only English player captaining in the IPL this year? So easy, man. So easy. Why don't you shut up? Yeah, the bill. if you could stay out, mate, you were last week's loser, so... Just keep quiet, please. Remember, remember, I beat you. So, Adam, what's your answer? Give me a few seconds to think about it. I, I can name a few. That's the thing. I'm just trying to think what's the most logical one. You've got Joffre Archer. Um, oh, what's the other guy's name? I know who it is. I know who it could be. I can't remember his bloody name. Um, he's friends with Freddie Flintoff. He talks about him all the time on the year own. Oh, jeez. You get a time limit here, Gary. Yeah, if you could, like, just give us an answer, Adam, mate. I'm going to say Joffre Archer. I know it's not, because when you say it, it's going to come to me. Well, the answer is Owen Morgan, who captains the KKR. I imagine you were thinking of Ben Stokes. Yeah, yeah I was trying to get Ben Stokes. Yeah. That was the next logical one I was going to try and go yeah, for. But... That, that wasn't the answer. Neither are captain for their sides. Owen good. Morgan wasn't the captain at the start of the tournament, but he was made captain about halfway through. Everyone says so easy. Like, you, I bet you couldn't name me like all 20 Formula 1 drivers on the grid, <laughs> Bill. Uh... Max Verstappen, Charles Carlos Dines, Bill, this is my quiz, small mate. Lando Norris. No way. <laughs> I can keep going all night. So, Simon, your first question. Hit me. And this is to do with bowling. You're kidding me. There's only one nope. guy on here you could name. The Weather Cup <laughs> was played this week, but who has won the trophy the most times? Whatever. Right. Well, well, here's the thing. I, from today, I've learned the name of two bowlers so I'm yeah but they're, they're not part, they're not the team there's oh, only you're, two you're, teams you're asking me the team you're asking me the team yeah that's why okay, I said okay. but who has won the oh, trophy the most 50-50 chance oh, f- um, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's Team it, USA of course it is at the start of the tournament it was 10 all so Team USA won and they're 11-10 so what well on come on <laughs> go on you were <laughs> England women in the rugby secured their 16th Six Nations title today. But who was the last country besides England to win the tournament? France. Correct. Oh. He just remembered that from earlier. earlier. Yeah, Yeah, oh. isn't it? <laughs> instincts there. So Simon, yours is to do with football. Okay. And as we know, Ajax won 13-0 yesterday. Oh, who has but how many goal? different goal scorers did they have? Oh, you kidding me? How many different oh, goals? I know scorers? this as well. Neville, wait, you're not play, you're not playing. Mute yourself. Neville <laughs> was just disappointed he lost last week. He wants to be involved again. Um, <laughs> I'll get my chance next week. Uh, I think I know it as well. Um, I mean, the same number. Um, they scored thirteen, so I'm gonna say six. Give it time to look at his phone. Oh. Adam, what did you reckon it was? I reckon it was five. Neville. It was, it was, I, I would have gone with five as well. It was seven. Oh. Uh, I got five. Egil uh, Likamp got two. Huntelaar okay. got two. Martinez, Blind, Anthony and Tadic all got one. So, we do go to a tie break. And this is another football question. Oh, dearie me. Here we go. So, who is the we only... Need, oh, team... whoa, 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 whoa. We need to do... Um, oh, buzzer. Sorry. Yes. Adam. Um, uh... Meow. <laughs> okay. You have to be quite loud with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, 
Simon, what's your buzzer? Um, whoop! Fuck down the mic. Okay. <laughs> Very work good. Uh, who is the only team with a 100% win percentage in the Portuguese oh, top hell. division so far this season? That was Adam. Benfica. Adam has retained his title. Yes, That's the only Portuguese wow. team I was going to name. It's the only one I know. Oh, it's FC Porto as well. It's one of those two. I just named Benfica. Uh, Benfica got four out of four. About two, two winning streak. Two wins in a row, lads. Oof. How does it feel to be the greatest of the sport? The Bill, do you reckon well, you're going to well, reclaim your title next week? Absolutely. I mean, I won two on, on the trot as well. It's not easy to get the three-peat. <laughs> no one's got the three-peat yet. No one's got, yeah. no one's got it. But Adam has won it the most times now. Oh, I mean, week one is a bit controversial. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> How is it controversial? Because I was a real one. Because I won the first week. was a recording. <laughs> So yeah, join Sports us next now. week for Adam versus Nabil. Wait, Great what stuff. controversial? Nabil, oh, because you missed the recording. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and Nabil had won. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but Nabil, so hold on a minute. He missed the recording, but we re-recorded it, and Nabil refused By to turn what? up. If a team refuses to turn up to the game, they forfeit. Nabil forfeited. There you go. Oh. See you next week on Four on Goal. <laughs> Nabil, there's no response. And that just about does us for time today. Guys, thank you very much. Adam, congratulations on your big, big victory. Very happy. I'm the greatest of all time. There's no denying me. The three goats we've come up with today, you, Khabib, and Hamilton. So. <laughs> what about so. Anthony Thompson, mate? Oh, and, um, please. <laughs> Disrespect to Anthony Thompson. Disrespect. Back to Bowen. Back to Bowen. Um, please do join us next week. We'll be talking with Corner of the Galaxy, all things MLS, and we'll be looking at LA Galaxy season so far. Big shout out to our channel partner, Mandrews95. Please do check him out on Facebook streaming for some top quality streaming content. Please check us out on social media at 4 on Goal on all social media platforms. Please do give us a like, a listen and a follow. And we'd like to take this time just to thank you all for listening and for all of your support so far. And until next time, bye-bye. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. Good night. Bye.